0: Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church.
1: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that helps people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series called A Church for Real Life. And a metaphor for the Christian life is the maturing of an infant to an adult. So what are the keys to Christian maturity? How do we be intentional to grow in our faith so that we become people God designed us to be? The message today is called Grow Up. Let's join Pastor Sean with some encouragement for you. It's time for Radio for Real Life.
2: I had an interesting experience uh, this last weekend, uh, Friday evening. Uh, My brother's actually playing in a polo tournament uh, in Houston. And so I got to go up and watch some games and see some things. And uh, on Friday evening, uh, there was the team patrons. Polo is played kind of like, yeah, imagine, you know, yacht racing, where there's an owner, a guy who owns the yacht, and he hires a crew of professionals, and they help him, and they go play. He's part of that, but hires pros. That's exactly how polo works, okay? Well, a <clears throat> guy whose team lost one of the games I watched, and he's like the CEO of a large corporation. Very, very successful, accomplished man. He throws a fit, like a three-year-old. Seriously. I mean, He's yelling at the, as he comes off because they lost. He's yelling. Fires everybody. Fires the whole team. I mean, there's players. There's their grooms who work for them. There's their families who are there. And this guy just goes off and then just leaves. Gets in his car and leaves. And it's like you're looking at this and going, dude, when I see a three-year-old do it, it's one thing. You know, he's kind of a little cute. You know, I got to spank that out of him. But, you know, but it's, it's, you know, he's three. But when you see someone who's, you know, pushing 60, and you just go something's wrong that is messed up you're acting like a child and yet this is a guy who we're thinking you're successful we people should look up to you you should be a leader but you're acting like a child i wish i could say that that as as i thought about that I, i thought i wish i could say that's an unusual experience like oh we've never seen anything like that oh my gosh i'm shocked but it's not true right any of us who've ever been to a kid's sports game you know the behavior on the field's fine it's what's happening on the sidelines that's problematic. I remember Ryan was playing basketball, and we were at, it was a private Christian school. And we're playing against another private Christian school. And these parents are taunting our kids, the junior high, as they're shooting free throws. And they're screaming at the referees like there's money involved. I don't know, maybe they were betting on the junior high basketball games. I don't know, maybe there's a big underground that I don't know about. But I mean, they're just going nuts. And it's like, dudes, come on. We're grown-ups. Let's be an example for our children. You're going to be real surprised when your kids grow up to be jerks because they saw you be a jerk. What's going on? I remember I played, speaking of basketball, uh, for a while I was a member of the health club. I don't know if you guys remember the Concord. Very nice high-end health club. I knew someone there, and they got me their family rate. So that's how I was able to be there, right? I clearly didn't belong, but I didn't advertise that, so things went fine. But at lunch one time, we're playing a pickup game of basketball. It's pickup. These are guys who are a bunch of duffers. I was one of the better-conditioned guys in the group, just to let you know. This was not high-level basketball. Okay, this this was duffers, right? I mean, there were a couple younger guys who were fit and kept us all running and kept us alive. But but for, by and large, it was pretty you know pretty bad group. There were a couple guys there who, and and again, these are very successful professional people here in san antonio and they thought they were good and they're screaming at a, it's a lunch pickup game nobody's any good but maybe these couple young guys right no, none of us are any good these guys are screaming come on come on and yelling at people and give me the ball give me the ball and, and total air ball i mean just make that big scene total air ball you know how embarrassing that would be not to these guys <laughs> nothing no my bad sorry guys sorry not none of that and it's just like it's like i'm in junior high again it's like we're 10 years old or something it's it, it, the, just the immaturity was unbelievable and again i don't even want to go there but you have to because it's all over everywhere on our whole political scene the immaturity and when i talk about immaturity again not taking responsibility it's insane I'm, I'm sorry, Donald, that's not locker room talk. It's just wrong. It's just really wrong. It shouldn't be done. It's broken. It's messed up. And Hillary, sweetheart, you were Secretary of State. You're an attorney. We don't believe that you didn't know it was a bad thing to have classified documents on your computer, your home computer. You know, we, 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 don't think we, we don't think you were ignorant of that. And, and we also don't believe when you go, I didn't understand the thing here, how it worked. Yeah, you're a smart lady. We, we don't believe you. Take responsibility. See that's what grown-ups do. What does immaturity look like? Think of children, but again, remember, in children, it's kind of cute. when they're two and they throw a little fit or when they say something that's really immature, really, so forth, you go you kind of have to work hard because you, you want to snicker over here, but then you know, okay, I've got to discipline that. If you're a responsible parent, you know I've got to train that out of my child, right It's cute because they're so adorable. You know, when they're trying to lie to you and pretend that they didn't do what obviously they did right there. You know, and and you're like, it's cute what they're doing, but I can't let that continue because I love them and I want them to grow up and be a responsible person. So I'm going to discipline them and train them not to do that because that's what maturity is all about. Again, the goal of parenting is that ultimately the reins of their life, we start real heavy, we've got the reins. Ultimately, by the time they're 18, 19, 20 years old, those reins have shifted and they're theirs now. And we're just on the sidelines coaching and encouraging. But they're doing it. But that takes training. When it's in a child, though, it can be kind of cute and you can snicker a little bit. But when it's in an adult, it's not. The immaturity has a look. And you look at kids, and that's really what it is. It's all about me. Disconnection from consequences. Do things without having any idea what the consequences are. The blame game. I didn't do it. He did it. I didn't do it. She did it. The idea I'm completely dependent on others. It's not me. And in a child, it's completely true. I'm not responsible. No self-control. In a child, we go, well, we expect that. We're going to grow. It's going to change as they grow. When something goes wrong, I cry. When I make a mess, I look for someone else to clean it up. Those are signs of immaturity. See, immaturity is childishness, but without the cuteness of a child. And that's what we want to talk about today a little bit. We want to talk about maturity. Because the natural process of life is that we grow and mature. And when we don't, something's messed up. Now, we've been in the series, A Church for Real Life. We've talked about how a church for real life is all about Jesus. Because Jesus was the one who said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came to give you life. That you might have it to the fullest. That you might have real life. We paraphrase that. It's all about Jesus. All about him. Talked about how how we talked about the roots of what God taught us in following him. Talked about those root principles and how the journey to real life is a journey of dependence and discipline. Because God is shaping us. Well, that's what I really want to focus on today. Now, we've been walking through these five decisions on the journey to real life. Our church is all organized around calling people to and supporting them in these five decisions. That we believe if you'll walk in these decisions, you will be a person who cannot help but grow into the person who Jesus created you to be. Okay, let's take a look at the graphic. Five decisions follow, connect, grow, serve, and share. Those five decisions, the decision to follow, we talked about following Jesus. Last week we talked about connecting in the body of Christ. Again, you can go online at reallife.org and catch any of these messages and catch up. Today we're going to talk about grow, And I want to give us a picture of maturity, Ephesians 2, beginning at verse 8. says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it's a gift of God, not a result of works that no one should boast. We understand that. We understand our salvation is in Jesus Christ. All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. No perfect people. Every one of us in need of a Savior. And Jesus Christ willingly gave his life to pay that penalty for our sins and to be our Savior. So we get that part. But understand, verse 10 says, We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. See, this passage tells us about who we are, his workmanship, what we do, good works, and how we live. We walk in these good works. Philippians 1.6, Paul writes and says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He who began a good work in you, to you listen to that language. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. At the day of Jesus Christ. We've talked a lot about how when you come to Christ, you don't have to kind of get all cleaned up. He doesn't expect you to get all fixed up. And, you know, we kind of want to be perfect for him. It, that misses the whole point. The point of the gospel is you can't be perfect. We're not. We all of us sin nature. We are fallen. But we come to him. And when we confess our sins, when we are repentant before him, and we ask for forgiveness and invite him into our life, he comes and he saves us and he accepts us just exactly as we are. But here's the point. He does not leave us that way. He does not leave us that way. In some bad teaching that's happened in the body of Christ, under the canopy of grace, a lot of people go, well, I don't have to worry about anything else. It's all taken care of. Jesus did it all. I'm done, right? Not according to the scriptures. He created you. You're his workmanship. He's working on you. He created you for good works, for good things, for things that make a difference, for great things even. That you're supposed to walk in and says he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of jesus christ we like to say we're not making a product here at river city we are the product that's very important okay? this is not some show that we're putting on for everybody to enjoy our classes and things it's not some school that that we just kind of do that and that's what we do no what we do is as we've mentioned we make disciples We're not making a product. We are the product, and God is working on us. He has a design. He created you for something amazing.
1: And let's take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church, in this message called Grow Up, which is available right now on the sermon page in a series called A Church for Real Life at reallife.org. There you can even watch a video podcast of this message and series. And if you're looking for a new church home,
2: God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
1: And now back to the message, Grow Up. This is radio for real life.
2: He called you, he accepted you and loved you exactly the way you were. But he has a vision for you that involves growth and maturity. And that's just how it works. Now, I'll tell you one problem. We live in a very consumer-oriented culture, don't we? I mean, like over the top you know shopping malls and things weren't weren't bad enough we had to have amazon okay and just don't get me wrong i would never preach against amazon because i love amazon it's so convenient it's so quick it works so well i, I really do it's just amazing but if if we weren't consumer oriented enough now and it's not just on our computers or our laptops no it's on our phones like I could buy something right now. In fact, some of you probably are. Stop it. I'm preaching up here. Stop <laughs> buying things right now on Amazon. Some of you just thought, oh, yeah, no, I got to get that. I mean, that's how crazy consumer-oriented we are. And let me just say, as as leaders in the Christian church, we often can get caught up trying to reach a consumer-oriented culture by addressing them like consumers and like making everything about what we can do for you and kind of all the different things that we offer and all those things. And it, it, it can just feed the consumerism in us. According to what the scripture's saying here, we're not supposed to be a consumer church. We're supposed to be a construction church. And we're the construction project. Under construction. We should all get shirts under construction because God is building something into us. We're not about buying. We should be about building. Ephesians four eleven through 6 says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the, evangel- the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the works of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, listen to that, to mature manhood, adulthood, to the measure of the stature the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried around by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful schemes. See, Paul doesn't think it's funny when adults are acting like children. He thinks it's dangerous. He says it's not normal. It's not the the goal. It's not the point. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who's the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let me just make a statement here that's real strong. It's kind of just a really important part of what we're talking about today in this idea of growing. Um, when you understand what the scripture says about maturity and growth, when you understand that we, we come to Jesus as we are and he accepts us as we are, but then he begins to build us into what he created us to be, crystal clear it is not okay to stay the same. Okay, I just want to make that real clear. It is not okay, biblically, to stay the same. It is not okay to say, well, I've got grace, and I really don't want to change. Do you know what that reveals? If you're, if you're saying, I want Jesus, because I want eternity kind of sewed up. I want the kind of eternal life thing. <laughs> Hell sounds pretty bad, so I don't want that. But I don't want to change at all. Do you know what that means? Fundamentally, it's, it's hard to make the case that you're actually a follower of Jesus. Because repentance is the core idea. And if you're saying, I don't want to change, that's the definition of being unrepentant. If you have no intention of changing, yeah, I want Jesus in my life, but I don't want him to mess with my life at all. I'm doing great. I'm awesome. If that's where you're at, it's, it's very hard to make the case that you're a follower of Jesus. You actually want Jesus to be a follower of you, which is weird. And he's not going to do it. It is not okay to stay the same as a follower of Christ. If you've been following Jesus for 10 years, there should be some signs that you've overcome some things, that you're a little bit different today. And what does different look like? Let me tell you. The definition of Christian maturity, what Paul made crystal clear, he said, we grow up into the knowledge of the Son of God, mature manhood, into the stature of the fullness of Christ. We grow up into him, who is the head, into Christ. The definition of Christian maturity is becoming more like Jesus, isn't it? It's becoming more like Jesus. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. This is the main point. This is what I want you to take. Healthy Christians grow up and become more like Jesus. Healthy Christians grow up and become more like Jesus. It is not okay to stay the same. It's not. It'd be like your little child, like when they're three, and they're little and short and cute and, you know, chubby, and they just look like a three-year-old. It's adorable. But if they kept growing, or they, they kept getting older, but they never changed... Okay, you'd be taking them to the doctor, you'd be something's wrong. You got, we got some serious developmental issues here. If they didn't change their understanding, they didn't change physically, they didn't, they didn't obviously grow up and mature, you'd say something's wrong, they're not healthy. The exact same thing is true for us as followers of Jesus Christ. Healthy Christians grow up and become more like Jesus. That is what maturity looks like jesus doesn't mean we're all the kind of cookie cutter we're all stepford christians that is not what it means at all it just means the nature and the character of jesus is being built in us in the very unique expression that god made each one of us everyone should be able to look at us and begin to recognize as we grow and as we mature the kind of the family resemblance okay my kids lauren and ryan they resemble laurie and i but they're not identical they're their own people Right, but you can definitely look and tell. Oh, yeah, I can see your family in you. I can see some of the traits. I can see the genetics, the, the DNA. I get it, your family. Well, in the same way as we grow and mature, people should begin to see Jesus in us. We're still unique. We're still who we are, but they should be able to see the resemblance. Oh, yeah, that's like Jesus. That's like Jesus. And if not, I just want to say something's wrong. And we're not living a healthy Christian life. And if you've been frustrated in your faith, if you've been frustrated about, about why do I not experience what other people are talking about? Why do I not sense the power and presence of God? What's wrong? Maybe you're not growing as a healthy follower of Jesus Christ because healthy Christians grow up and become more like Jesus. The good news is you can decide to begin to grow. That's what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning couple things that I want to talk about when it comes to Christ-like maturity. First, number one, Christ-like maturity changes how we think. It changes how we think. We begin to think like a Christ follower, and this is so critical, because we live in a world that thinks diametrically opposed to following Jesus. It does. And, and because of media, the world is becoming so kind of, I'm, I'm lacking a word here, one way. Man, everybody thinks the same everybody's thinking the same. You know, it's like it's homogenous. Everybody's thinking the same way. It's interesting. If you travel around the world and you go to large cities, okay, because of technology, because of media, because of Internet access, the similarities in large cities, and I don't care where you go, uh, is, is they're, they're like they're all the same, Okay. You go to another country, and the large cities where they've had media, where they've been influenced by media, are more like New York City than they are like the small towns in their country. Like, I've spent a fair amount of time in Ireland. And when you go out in the countryside in Ireland, there's one entire experience. And, and there's one cultural experience. And it's, it's very uniquely Irish. In Dublin, it feels more like you're in New York. Actually, interestingly, throughout, in Ireland, they kind of have a high view of Americans, or they at least enjoy Americans, a lot of American tourism, so they have some interaction, and they they like Americans. In Dublin, they're kind of like New Yorkers. They don't like Americans. New Yorkers are, how's that work? At least I got a laugh this morning. Saturday night, just that blew, went right over their heads. I, I just want you to know I rebuked them for you. But it's true, it's really a unique dynamic. Because of of media and culture being so connected that thought pattern is prevalent all over the world. And the more media-entrenched a city is, the more alike it is with other cities like that. And so there's this thought process that is is kind of dominating world thought, and it is absolutely anti-Christ. And so it's a big challenge to begin to think like Christ-followers. And we should think very differently from our neighbors next door who may work at the same place we do, kids go to the same school, but they don't in any way profess to follow Jesus. If our thinking is exactly like our neighbors who do not follow Jesus, maybe we're being more influenced by the culture than we're being influenced by Jesus, by his word. See, thinking like a Christ follower is completely different. In fact, Paul in Philippians talked about having the mind of Christ, letting the mind of Christ be in us. Listen to what he said in Philippians 4, 4-9. through He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God is which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Man, some people, that is a word from the Lord for you this morning. Because you've been caught up in the world's fear, the world's anxiety, the, the rat race, and your mind is so wrapped around those things that this is so foreign. But let me just say for a Christ follower, this is normal. Rejoice in the Lord always. Be, let your gentleness be evident. The Lord's near. You don't have to worry. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, that's a really big phrase, isn't it? Because it's true. We'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, that's a perspective. That is a a distinctly biblical, Jesus-centered perspective. And, And Paul goes on, and he actually makes it clear that our thinking is a key. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen me, put, into, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. We need to think differently. We need to think differently. Paul said in... Um, in First, uh, in, excuse me, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he said, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your minds. The renewing of your minds. It transforms you. Now, one of the things that counseling does, counseling, people go to counseling, and, and I'm not any, in any way anti-counseling. I think great, biblically-centered Christian counseling is a fantastic gift. But what it deals with, often people go because of outcomes. Okay, they say, I'm, this is happening in my life, and it's not working. This is happening, and it's, it's not going well. Well, good counseling will always trace it back to behaviors, but then trace those back to beliefs. You, you have no idea how much of what you're experiencing in life can be rooted into beliefs. Wrong beliefs are one of the things that we deal with over and over and over again if we, when we're doing biblical guidance counseling. When we're just talking with someone, and when they're saying, "This has happened in my life, and it's not working," and in my marriage, it's not working, and my finances not working, and, and when you trace it back to, well, then what's what's not working, and they tell you what's happening, and the objective observer goes, "Well, you're doing this. This is why are you doing that? You know that's what's hurting you, right? Why are you doing it? Well, I don't know. Well, tell and you probe a little more. It's going to come back to a belief. Wrong beliefs." are the root of so many painful circumstances that we're experiencing right now. And conversely, right beliefs, when you can actually change what you believe, because your behaviors always flow out of your beliefs, always.
1: Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Radio for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Grow Up, or this whole series, it's available right now on demand when you find that series called A Church for Real Life at reallife.org.